right. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to see you all. Hope you had a good week. Funny, funny times. Well, we are still in the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> so if you want, you can go ahead and open them up uh, to, well, chapter 12, but we're going we're gonna to cover a couple of different portions as well. We're going to talk about some different things, but let's start with a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Father, and, and uh, we just simply want to be a people who are gathered together in Jesus' name because we love you, because we love your Son, Jesus Christ, Father, we, because we desire the power of the Holy Spirit to fill up our lives and our hearts, and we desire to know your will for our lives, Father. We desire to know your word. We want to know you, Father, and you've given us this book that we could study it, Father, supernaturally by the power of your Spirit, we could understand the things that it is, not only that you were doing in, in the olden times, Father, and not only the things that you did through your Son, Jesus Christ, but also the things that you're doing today, Father, and the things that you seek to do in us, Father, and through us in the world that we live in, Father, and for the times that we live in, Father. We ask and pray that you would make us, make us of a singular mind, Father, and a singular and undivided heart to seek after the things of you, Lord, that we would never be content with simply... Um, wallowing in, in the comfort of our own lives, Father, but instead we would always feel that stirring in our hearts, Lord, to, to know you more and to speak about you more, Father, and to do your will more, Father, and, and, and uh, that that would be a never-ending search and a never-ending thirst and a hunger that we have, Father. Uh, your son promised that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so, Father, give us the hunger that we don't have, Father, uh, and satisfy the hunger that we do have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, <clears throat> I'd like to talk to you a little bit this morning about uh, the commandments of God. We're going through the book of Deuteronomy, of course, which means second law. And a lot of this is a, a reiteration or a restating of the things that formerly were stated in, in, in the book of Leviticus and in Numbers. Uh, and now, as the children of Israel are getting are right at the point of entering into the promised land, they are at the crossing point where they're going to go across the Jordan River and they're going to begin to uh, conquer the land just as God had told them that they were going to do, just as God had promised their fathers that they were going to do, just as God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're now at the crossing point. They're now at that point, you know, and uh, I, I love the portion of Scripture that talks about there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Uh, and, and there's this idea, and we're going to get into this, and we're going to talk about this, the things that were written in, in times past. The Old Testament is not something that we study just in a historical sense. Uh, and, and, and studying history is important. What do they say? If you don't know history, you're, you're doomed to repeat the mistakes uh, of, of history. And that's why it's important to know and understand history. And so we want to know the history of the children of Israel. We want to know a history of God's promises. We want to know a history of what God has said, what God had promised that he was going to do, and the things that he did accomplish and the things that he did do that he promised he was going to do so that we can understand and know the heart of God, so that we can learn from the mistakes of the people of old, and we can also learn from the victories of the people of old and take that into our lives in the day and age in which we live. But there's, there's so much more than that, and there's so much more that God is seeking to do, I believe, in the lives and the hearts and the minds of Christians today than he was even possible, that was even possible to do in the Old Testament simply because of Jesus Christ. So um, I want to read a couple of verses for you first. The first is from Deuteronomy chapter 10. 
uh, and starting with verse, and, and Deuteronomy 10, 12. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And, and, and we're gonna, you're going to see this repeated. It starts really in chapter 8, but uh, this is continued through each chapter. And Moses is reiterating this again and again to the people of Israel. And now Israel, Deuteronomy 10, 12, what does the Lord your God require of you? Uh, but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 8 through 9 and 13 to 15, Moses says, therefore you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, or rather God says through Moses, therefore you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God, the Lord swore to give your fathers to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey, verses 13 to 15 of chapter 11. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land and its seas and the early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. But I love what God says to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12. And he says, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? And this is, this is I believe, God's way, uh, you know, all the way back in the times of the children of Israel and their wanderings before they came into the promised land, you know, long before Jesus Christ came to this earth physically and spoke the words that all the law and the commandments are summed up in two things, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. I believe God is simply doing that here. And, and again, going back to King David, and that's why he was a man after God's heart. That's why God loved David, and that's why David was a man called of God, and that's why David was a man used of God, certainly not because he was perfect in keeping the law, right? We know that. Anybody who's read any of the Bible and knows anything about the history of Israel and the stories of King David, that he was far from a perfect man when it came to keeping the law. In fact, he was worse than most of you, I would dare to say, uh, as, as, as far as that goes. But God loved David, and he could he saw something special in David that David's earnest heart's desire was to love the Lord his God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And there's this divine truth that God lays out through Scripture that if you just seek my face, and if you just love me, and if you'll just want to be around me and to be near me, everything else is going to come into focus in your life. You know, those of you who are here who are young people, I mean, what are, we, what are you going to do with your life? I mean, look at you. What are you doing with your... No, I'm kidding. You know, what are you, what are you going to do with your life? That's the question, right? That's the question. What's the future hold for me? And maybe this and maybe that. Who am I going to marry? What, what are my kids going to be like? What is it, where am I going to work? What's this going to be like? What's that going to be like? And Jesus has this beautiful portion in Scripture where he talks about the fact that the Gentiles or the pagans, or the people that don't know God are, are completely consumed and, and, and taken up and, and carried away in these things, in what they're going to wear, right? How they dress, how they appear to people, how they're going to be provided for and all of these things. And Jesus doesn't condemn them for, for seeking after these things. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. But he says, you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these other things are going to be added to you. 
You see, there's this idea that's laid out in Scripture and this thing that God gives us where if you will be careful in your life, and not just in a flippant way, I believe in God, I believe in God, yes, God, yes, God, Christmas time, baby Jesus, ah, I don't know, but, but diligently and earnestly and real and truthfully in your hearts, I, not only do I believe in God, I love him because of what he's done for me, because he first loved me, because he sent Jesus Christ to die die on the cross for my sins. I love him, and I want to know him. I want to understand him. I want to know what it is that he wants me to do in this life. And you think about this weird thing that, that exists in the world today, where when it comes to the thing that matters most in all of the universe, and that is the eternal destination of man's soul... And we don't want to talk about it. You don't discuss politics at, at Christmas turkey, and you don't discuss religion. You don't, well, I maybe the first, <laughs> for sure. You might not want to get into politics this year, you know what I mean? That might be a bad landmine to step on. But certainly, certainly your faith should be preeminent in our lives. The most important thing, how can you talk about Frank Thomas junior or senior, or the third, hopefully, and not talk about Jesus. Because hopefully that's what defines who I am. Well, he's this and he's this and he's this type of a guy and he's this sort of a guy. He loves the Lord. Let me tell you something about this guy. You know, he's weird. He's kind of jerky sometimes. But but he loves the Lord. He's always talking about the Lord. He's always ready and willing to talk about the Lord. And that seems to be a thing that drives him and moves him. Well, so how can I have a relationship with somebody? And how can I have an in-depth and earnest conversation with somebody without talking to them about what defines me? And you see, you understand how that works there is it's not saying, okay, I got to tell people about Jesus. I got to tell people about Jesus. You know what I mean? I mean, think think if you've been married 10 years and you get to Christmas dinner. You've been married 10 years. And you say, all right, I'm going to tell these people I'm married to this person. I'm going to tell these people I'm married to this year. This is it. I'm telling them. I'm telling them. All right? I'm married to this person, okay? You know what I mean? Of course, it's ridiculous. You're married. It's part of who you are. You know, I, I wear this wedding ring occasionally, right, baby? Because I, I, I got the rubber ones now because I lose them so often, and, 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 and it's terrible. So I literally, I have like 10, 12 of these in my dresser drawer. That's how sacred. You know, I'm so, such a holy man. He's <laughs> an idiot, you know. I, so I got a whole bunch of these rubber ones. But this is just a symbol. It's just a symbol. I I wear this because I want people to know that I'm married. Before they know anything else about me, they can look and say, oh, hey, look, he's got a ring on his finger. He's married. You know, being married to Nikki is not something that I ever have to say, what I should tell people? Should I not tell people? You know, should I admit to being married? No, 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 no. It's who I am. There is no me. There's only us. It's always us. It's it's Nikki and I. It's Nikki and I. What are you going to do this weekend? I don't know. I have to check with my wife. You know what I mean? What do you what do you love and what are your hopes and dreams? I don't know, I have to check with my wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have to my she's a she she remember the remember the the, the movie and the and the guy says, You complete me. <laughs> right? To the girl. Oh, it's so beautiful. You know. But it should be like you have to say that, that's it. You know, and, and, and there's a reason that in the Holy Scriptures, our relationship with God is compared to marriage. Because that's how it ought to be with our relationship with God. It ought to be like breathing. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> right? Seriously, though. 
It ought to be like breathing. The Bible says pray without ceasing. How can you pray without ceasing? When it's like breathing, it's no problem. Love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help me, Lord. <laughs> right? All of it. There's none of that that's cheap. You understand? The ability that you have to enter into the throne room of God and stand before the, the holy throne in a spiritual sense and cry out as the Bible says, Abba, Father, my dad, my spiritual father. That was not won for you cheaply. That was won for us by the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out on the cross at Calvary. There is no cheap prayer. The only thing that can cheapen it, the only thing that can make it of no use is the condition of our hearts. But God wants us to have a love relationship. You understand, everything else is details. And, you know, there's this, there's this thing when, that you go to a pastor's conference and, and that, that sometimes they'll be reminded of the pastors again and again and again, don't forget to keep the main thing the main thing. Because it's so easy to get caught up in stuff or in programs, or in this, or in that, or in, oh, have you seen this? Oh, and this thing, and this thing, and this new book, and this new worship team, and, up, 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 up. and there's so much talent, and there's so much amazing, ridiculously amazing Bible teaching out there that it can become rudimentary, it can become redundant, it can become like those vain prayers and repetitious things that the Pharisees would say over and over and over and over again. I don't need to know what the Bible says, I need to know who the author is. And I need to have the power of his life coursing through my own. And that only comes through a relationship with him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You shall love the Lord your God. And just as they were given the commandment, so are we. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, it says this, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. You, you, see how, you see the order there. This is how you know you love the children of God because you love God first and you keep his commandments. That's, that's always the first thing. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Here it is. And his commandments are not burdensome. Just as, as God is saying to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 10, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? You get this, when I read this, I get the sense that God's saying, you know, I'm not asking much, guys. I'm not asking for much. I'm asking that you would love me. You know, is it, is it too much for a parent to ask if they're a good parent to the best of their ability and love their children, that their children would love them back? And that's what a parent wants, for their children to love them back. I don't want anything from my kids. I don't need anything from my kids except for their love and their relationship. That's what I need from my children, and that's what our Heavenly Father wants from us. And it's not, it's not burdensome. It ought not to be some heavy burden that we bear. It ought to be a liberating thing, a beautiful thing. If anybody who's ever been in love, it's the most wonderful feeling, to, 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 and you don't care who knows it. I'm in love with this person. And you go around, you know what I mean? When it's new and fuzzy and all that stuff. You're walking around in a fog all the time. You know what I mean? I just, I remember when I met Nikki and, and, and it was like bing, bang, boom, first date. Hey, I'm going to marry you. O okay, you know, like that. It was like that. And, and I just walking around for the next seven months till we got married. 
in a fog because I couldn't concentrate on anything else. Because Nikki lived in Corning and I lived in Syracuse, you know, stupid two hours and a half away. And I just got it. And I wonder, I can't, I, I, I gotta, can't, when's Friday coming? Because I just need to get in my car and, and peel out and burn rubber and get out of this place and get to my bride, future bride, right, at the time. I can't wait to get to her. I can't wait to see her face. You know, my friends would be like, you've changed. <laughs> you've changed, man. You don't even hang out no more. You don't even party anymore. And I'd be like, there's great news for me. You don't matter anymore. <laughs> Sorry, Murph. Look at, look at, that's one of them right there in the great. <laughs> Tommy and me go way back, right? And Murph, Murph found the same love. That's why he's here today. So <clears throat> you don't care. And that's all that, that you think about. And, and so this is, the, if you want to talk about effort, if you want to talk about drawing close to God and striving to be closer to God, it's in the sense of falling in love with him. And that's why he wants you to study the word. That's why he wants you to know what the Bible says, because you can't study this book in depth. And you can't, through the power of the Spirit, search the scriptures and not fall in love with its author. You can't. I defy you <laughs> to try to do that. And it's something that just flows from you naturally by the Spirit. 1 John 5, 2-3 says two things to us. That uh, the love of God is to keep His commandments. Secondly, that they are not burdensome. Okay? John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus said to His disciples, If you love Me, finish it. Keep My commandments. Verse, uh, Luke, Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter 6 and verse 46. <clears throat> Jesus said, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? You understand there's something silly here. You know what I mean? I go to work. I call my boss, boss. Hey, boss. What's up, boss? How you doing, boss? What's up, boss? What's up, boss? Frank, I need you to go down to, no, I'm not doing that today. But this is the job that I have for you. It's scheduled. It's set up. This is what I need you to do you know, to the best of your ability, but this is what I need you to do. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. What else you got? What you got on the board? I see you're sending Steve over there. No, that's where I want to go. You send him over there. He would say, am I your boss or am I your boss? And I'd be like, guess you're my boss, right? And Jesus says to his disciples, you know, you call me Lord, 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 Lord. Lord implicates a lot more than boss. You're the ruler. See, when I get out of work, I used to get, you know, Frank, we called you at, uh, uh, at like, you, we called you Friday and you didn't answer your phone, my bosses would say to me. We, we called you. And I'd say, well, what time was it, boss? Well, it was, it was four o'clock. Oh, see, that's the problem. I worked from, th from, from seven to 3.30. So I got home at four o'clock and, and I was with my family. You don't exist anymore. At that point in time, I told him this. You cease to exist because I'm with my family, and I'm not on your dime. And that's it. And it's very important to me. It was always very important to me in my career that my bosses understood that. This is a means to an end. This job doesn't define me. I only come here because I have to. <laughs> so I can, my, my kids don't care. How was work today, Dad? Did you get a lot of pipe in the air? That's fantastic. I can't wait to tell Timmy. <laughs> when are you coming home? 
Dad, I don't know when. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. When are you coming home? When are you coming home? When are we going to go on vacation? When are we going to ride dirt bikes? When are you going to play this game with me, Daddy? When are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? They didn't give a rip what I do for a living. And so it was very important to me that they understood that. But if they were my Lord, then they would be in charge and control of every aspect of my life. You see, Jesus is my Lord. So even when I'm at work, Jesus is my Lord. Sometimes I go to a service call. Sometimes I'm going on a mission trip. And I don't even know it till I get there. And then all of a sudden I'm standing there and there's a person and I'm like, got it, Lord. And I got a mission. And when I come home from working on with my family, if the Lord's, <clears throat> yes, Lord, because he's my Lord. It implies something completely different and completely all-consuming in our lives. He's the Lord of every, or he's not Lord. You understand? You can't be a partway Lord. I got a couple of lords. I got a part lord here and a part lord there and a part lord there. That's what the Bible calls a divided heart. And what does the Bible say about a kingdom divided against itself? Can't stand. And so he wants to be the lord of every aspect and every part of my life. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, 8 to 9 and 13 to 15, we already, we already read. And here God lays out for the Israelites a choice. He lays for, out for them a choice. And the choice is simple, right? It's like later in the book of Joshua, he's going to say to, to the people, you guys all know this. You probably got a plaque on your wall somewhere in your house, right? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, Joshua said to the people, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, period. End of story. That's it. And God in these portions of Scripture is laying out for them a choice. Uh, it's interesting to me that, that, that certain Bible teachers or theologians or um, uh, whatever will, will, will tell us that we don't have a choice. You know, we have this, and I, I don't know, I just wanted to cover this quickly, not to try to, because uh, I really don't, whatever, you study the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit shows you what it means. So for any of you out here who are kind of poor, partial Calvinists or something like that, don't take this the wrong way. Um, you're wrong, but don't take it the wrong way. I, but, I, but since we're on this, this, this portion of Scripture and, and God is clearly again and again laying out choice for the people, I wanted to just kind of go over this quickly. Uh, some teachers will say today that, that we don't have a choice in our faith and we don't have a choice in our salvation and our walking with the Lord, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he told the children of Israel, this is who I am and this is what I've done and this is what's going to happen if you obey me and this is what's going to happen if you don't obey me and so choose. And make a choice in your life. Why does the Bible tell us to walk in light as he is in the light? And then we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why is he telling us? Because there's a choice every single day that we have uh, to make. Now, in Calvinism, there's a, there's a, a principle and, they, and it's, it's, it's put into an acronym, TULIP. TULIP, like the flower, TULIP. T stands for total depravity of man. I can get on board with that one, right? That, that makes sense. The total depravity of man. Uh, the U in TULIP is unconditional election unconditional election. God chose you, which we believe that God chose us, right? We do believe in election, but that God chose you before the foundations of the world, and there's absolutely no choice involved in it. There's no choice involved in it whatsoever. The L in TULIP stands for limited atonement. 
And literally what that means is that Jesus Christ only died for those who are elect. Okay? He did not die. The atonement was not for those who are not elect. Okay? For God so loved the elect. Wait a second. That's a different translation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever. Now let me ask you. Who's included in whosoever? Sorry. Sorry, not you. Not you. I, I don't make the choices around here. You know, I love the way Joe Foch says it. He's one of my favorite Bible teachers. I mean, people come up to me and say, well, if God chooses people and God's elected, I don't have any, any it's not fair, it's not fair. And, and if God chooses people and, and Joe Foch says, well, then get saved. If you get saved, ask Jesus to come into your heart, then you'll be one of the elect. What's the problem? But I don't want to get saved. Well, then maybe you're not one of the elect. <laughs> You know, God's sovereignty, it's amazing to me, the arrogance of man in general, in a general sense. Because it doesn't make sense to me, I have to take God's word and put it in the bottle that, so I can make sense of it. Hello? The Bible says his thoughts are like the sand of the seashore. They're beyond knowing. They're beyond knowing. Just because God is sovereign and just because God chose me before the foundations of the earth were laid in no way, shape, or form limits my choice in the matter. In no way, shape, or form. He stands outside of time. He is all-knowing. That means omniscient means all-knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. There's no surprise that I was going to get saved. He knew I was going to get saved. But it doesn't mean that I didn't choose to ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord. Not at all. Uh, so limited atonement, T-U-L-I, irresistible grace. Regardless of whether you want to be saved or not, you're going to be saved if you're elect. You have no choice in the matter. Again, irresistible grace. I don't want it. I don't want it. You can't help it, okay? Basically is what that is. And then P stands for the perseverance of the, of the saints. And you may have heard it as this, once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. I'm a little halfway with this one. Okay, I believe that we always have a choice. The Bible talks about us remaining in the love, remaining within his word, remaining in these things, if you continue to do this, if you continue to do that. Uh, and it talks about people who have tasted of the Holy Spirit and experienced the grace of God. If they were to fall away, they can't come back because they would be crucified. So, so the question is, so is it possible or isn't it possible? The Bible says if. And, and here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I don't and I don't know, but I don't believe that you can taste of who Jesus Christ is and you can experience a relationship with Jesus Christ and then the next day say, I'm done with all that. In my opinion, you never really knew him. You never really experienced him. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, this is just me talking and thinking out loud. But if you know him and if you've been with him, Every single one of the disciples, except for Judas, <laughs> went to their death. Went to their death. John to the island, exiled to his death. The rest of them put to death. Why? They would not deny that they were with him and that they knew him and that they saw what he was and they saw what he did and they saw that he rose from the grave. And they went to their death before they would say that they hadn't. I love it. So God lays out for a, uh, the Israelites a choice. 
obey the commandments of God, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bring you into the land. I'm going to bless you. You're going to have victory over your enemies. The crops are going to come in on time. You're going to have the former and the latter rains. It's going to be hoo-wee, milk and honey, you know, population explosion, healthy, everything's going to be great. You're going to have peace on all sides. Absolutely everything you could, you could want in this life physically that's wholesome and righteous, you're going to have it if you follow me, if you obey my commandments. But if you turn away from me, if you lift up your heart to worship an idol, if you disobey the commandments that I've given you, calamity, calamity is going to come upon you. Because remember what he said before to the children of Israel, it ain't because of your righteousness. It ain't because of you that I'm bringing you into this land. It's based on two things, the promise and the commandment. The promise and the commandments. And if, if you're not in my blessing, if you're not walking in my love, if you're not walking within the blessing, then you're not going to be blessed, right? It may seems to make sense to me. This land is the land of promise. It's the land of blessing. And in order to inhabit that land and in order to be blessed in that land, you also have to be within the promise and the blessing and the commandments. It all goes together. You can't have the one without the other. For them, it was a physical blessing, prosperity, and a security in the land God was giving them. For us, the blessing is to be partakers of the divine nature, to experience his glory in our hearts. You understand? Now, this is one of those things where we read and go, that's cool. Wait a minute. Stop. Hold on a second. Wait a minute. To experience his divine nature? To literally have communion with the living God? No, no, it's not just something to say, yeah, 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 that's great, that's wonderful, that's awesome. This is what I talk about, the fact that we are not the nation of Israel, okay? We are not. Now, in a spiritual sense, we are heirs according to what? The promise. We are grafted in, the Bible says, we're these wild, scraggly olive branches, right, that God grafted into the main olive tree, and we've become partakers in the promise. He also says he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, not of the flesh. That's the circumcision that God is looking for. But you understand, when you see what he's saying there, it's spiritual, it's spiritual, it's spiritual, it's spiritual, it's spiritual. It's of the heart, it's of the spirit, it's of the heart, it's of the spirit. And Christians are going around looking for money. And Christians are going around looking for health. And Christians are going around looking for all of these physical blessings. And God has blessed us, hasn't he? And God does bless us. But that's not the promise, man. Jesus said in this world, you may possibly, probably not have tribulation, right? That's the, that's the Frank Thomas paraphrase version. No, no, he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Here's the good news, because you're a king's kid, because you're a child of God, none for you, brother, no. He said, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We are overcomers, you understand? When Paul was in Rome and he was in chains and he was in a dungeon, inside, he was as free as a bird. He was as free as a bird. And what that enabled Paul to do was to be completely separate in his heart from his circumstances. And so he didn't sit in his dungeon. <laughs> I thought I was one of yours. <laughs> no, he was in the dungeon going, all right, God, 
Whoo, what's next? Another letter to Timothy? Let's do it. Because he was free inside, because Paul's heart belonged to God, truly belonged to God. Always remember that the things that we study in the Old Testament are for us physical examples of the spiritual truths of our walk with Christ. I missed a couple of scriptures. Colossians 1, 12 to 13, I love it. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Right? I just don't know what else to tell you people. Right? What, what's in it for me? <laughs> you understand what God has done. 2 Peter 1.4 says this, by which, the, 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 what Jesus Christ has accomplished, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Partakers in the divine nature. Wowzers. Wowzers. Always remember that the things we study in the Old Testament are for us physical examples of the spiritual truths of our walk with Jesus Christ, okay? Colossians 2, 16 to 17 says this, So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Every once in a while, I have a conversation with a Christian who's decided that we need to start eating kosher. And I say, first of all, let's start off the conversation on the right foot. No. Okay, have you ever eaten a Hoffman hot dog? First of all, I'd like to know. I dare say not, you know what I mean? Second of all, Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. There's, there's so many others. I mean, what do you think when Peter's vision, what is that? Are you kidding me? Kill and eat. Not so, not so. God does it again. Don't call anything I've made clean, unclean, Peter. He lets down a sheet again. Peter, rise, kill and eat. Not so, not, nothing unclean has ever entered. Don't call unclean. It's Peter, right? So second time, Peter. Don't call it unclean. If I've called it, this is how I think God's talking to Peter because I know how he talks to me. This is, Peter, I just told you, if I call it clean, don't call it unclean. All right, Gabriel, let it down again. <laughs> Peter, rise, kill and eat. Not so, Lord. Peter. Huh? Yes, Lord. <laughs> don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. And of course, it wasn't just about eating food, was it? Peter was about to be sent to the house of Cornelius, a Roman soldier, a prefect. And a Jew would never enter into the house of a Gentile like that. It was forbidden under the law. And even more so would he break, because what do you think Cornelius was serving that day? Probably had the snout still on it and everything, you know. Peter, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. You're, you're on a completely different, completely different plane now in me, Peter. The things of the law, all of it, we're a shadow of the things to come. The essence is of Christ. Don't you ever let anybody take that away from you and judge you in, in, in a new moon or a Sabbath or in food or in drink. Silliness. Hebrews 10, chapter 1, for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never, 
with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. And again, he's talking about the fact that Jesus Christ is the promised sacrifice, that the blood of bulls and rams and sheeps and goats and turtle doves and all of these other sacrifices could never truly atone for sin. God allowed it as a momentary substitution. Without the shedding of blood, Scripture says there can be no forgiveness of sins. And so God allowed the blood of these animals in a very specific way, right? Leviticus, we went through it. And Numbers, in a very specific way, these sacrifices had to be offered. And God allowed it to be an atonement for sin for the ones you had committed up to that point, right? Now, you walk out of the tabernacle and stub your toe and go, <laughs> uh-oh, I got to go get another turtle dove, you know what I mean? How much, how many turtle doves for a curse word, you know? It could never fully atone for sins. And in the same way, the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image uh, could never bring us what Jesus Christ brought for us. Understanding that we are not subject to the law in no way excuses us from the commandment. On the contrary, remember what Jesus said, I have not come, do not think, that I've come here to abolish the law. Because that's what the priests were accusing him of. That's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were accusing Jesus of. He's trying to abolish the law. He's trying to do away with the law. And he said, don't, not, don't think that I've come to abolish the law. I've not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. He says, not one yacht, not one punctu punctuation point from the Hebrew letters will pass away from the law until all things are fulfilled. The law stands. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. We don't have to keep the kosher dietary laws. We don't have to keep all the Sabbaths. Why? Those were a shadow. Those were a picture of what Jesus Christ accomplished for you and I. The substance is Christ. Your relationship with Jesus Christ, if he is your, this way for you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, if he is for you your Lord, the law is accomplished in you. The Sabbaths and the new moons and the sacrifices have been accomplished. Um, on the contrary, we have a greater obligation to keep the commandment for two reasons. We have been freed of the many requirements of the law. Ours is a simple commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And the second commandment, which is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That is the commandment. What must I do today, God? What must I do? It's all summed up in this. Love the Lord your God and love your fellow man. The second reason we have a greater obligation is that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us to give us the ability to do what they could not. The Holy Spirit gives us, the Greek is deutimus. Dad's taught this many times, deutimus. It literally means the ability to do. Isn't that cool? It means the ability to do. To do what? Obey the commandments. What do you mean? There's only two. <laughs> That's enough. It's enough, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Until, <laughs> until this, the phone rings and it's that one. Until you get a notification and it's whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, close your eyes, Lord. You know what I mean? <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. We have the spirit dwelling within us. Uh, we're going to stop there. I didn't even, I, I, I was, I was, I was, sorry, Pop. I was supposed to start into chapter 12 
Well, we got a couple minutes. You guys, you guys okay for a couple more minutes? Keep going, right? My mommy says, keep going. My mommy says, to preach to you people till three o'clock in the afternoon. Let's quickly go through uh, a little bit of chapter 12. <clears throat> and it, now, keeping everything that we just talked about in mind, okay? The things that we just talked about in mind. These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord, your, the, the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And I want you to, in your mind, as we're reading through these portions, I want you to say, a shadow of things to come, a shadow of things to come, a shadow of things to come. There ain't no high places in your neighborhood, probably, physically. There's no altars set up to Ashtoreth in your neighborhood, probably, <laughs> or Baal. But there's all sorts of high places of worship. And there's all sorts of places of pagan sacrifice, okay? Everywhere we look, everywhere we go. You shall be careful to observe. Uh, you shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains, on the hills, and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. Now, I don't want to see any of you out burning people's Santa decorations, okay? <laughs> Understand that this is a spiritual for us. This is a shadow of the things to come. Don't go set fire to any of your neighbor's things, okay? You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. With what things? With what things? Sacred pillars, altars, wooden images, carved images. We shall not serve the Lord your God with such things. That's why, you know what Protestant, we're Protestant. I tell people who, who don't know, and they're like, well, what are you? I just say uh, non-denominational. They're like, who's a what's a what's denominational? You know, I'm Protestant. Oh, okay, I learned about that in history class. You know what I mean? We're Protestant. You know what Protestant means? Protesters. <laughs> You're a bunch of protesters is what you are bunch of activists with your Martin Luther nailing the 99 thesis to the wall of the cathedral, you know. We're protesters, but this is why we don't have statues. This is why we don't have images in our churches. This is why we don't have these things, okay? Now listen, people go crazy with stuff, all right? I can't watch that movie about Jesus. Why? Because it's a graven image. Oh my heavens and mercy. You understand, worship takes place in the heart, okay? So this is not for you to go to your Catholic friend's house and knock over the statue of Mary in her front yard. First of all, they will kill you, kill you dead. And I'll be just standing there going, <laughs> see what I told them not to, you know. I told them. This is what I tell my Catholic friends. This is what I tell my Catholic friends. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You, you know who Jesus is. You need to love him, and he needs to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You must be born again, just like the crazy born-again Protestants. You must be born again. You go to Catholic Church? Fine. You still got to be born again. The only way for anyone, man, woman, or child, to enter into heaven is because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. You understand? That's the understanding I have to come to with my Catholic brother, with my Catholic sister. That's the understanding that we have to come to. 
Jesus Christ must be the Lord of your life. That you can't have salvation simply because you go to a Catholic church. That you must know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Right? That's it. That's it. What if I still go to the Catholic church? Then still go to the Catholic, whatever. God's going to show you what you need to do if he's the Lord of your life. You understand? You tell your Mormon friends the same thing. You tell your whatever, whatever, whatever. Even the Methodists. You tell them the same thing. The Presbyterians. You understand? There's a whole lot of Presbyterian churches and Methodist churches out there I'm way more worried about than I am about some of the Catholic churches. You say, you're crazy. (laughs) Jesus Christ needs to be the Lord of your life. Right? That's what the Bible says. I don't care where you go to church. God's going to show you what to do. You better know who he is. You better have him as the Lord of your life. And you better start studying his word. I don't care who you are, and I don't care where you go to church. You understand? For heaven's sake. <laughs> anyway, that's why we don't have any. Uh, you shall not worship the Lord your God with such things, but you, verse 5, you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. Of course, God is speaking of the future what? Temple. The temple that was going to be built by Solomon. King David was going to desire to to build the temple. God says, you can't, you're a man of blood. But David went around collecting materials, collecting just astounding amounts of materials for his son Solomon so that he could build the temple of God, which of course he did. And that was, understand here, this isn't about a lesson about the temple either. You shall serve the Lord your God and you shall worship the Lord your God in the way in which he prescribes. And you shall not go beyond it. And you shall not go below it. But you shall worship the Lord your God in the way he prescribes. You shall not worship the Lord your God. Uh, There you shall make your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, verse 6, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand you and your households, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do, notice what he says, as we are doing here today. Wait a second, Moses, time out. You have the tabernacle. The tabernacle has within it the altar of incense, the golden lampstand, the table of showbread, the ark of the covenant, and the spirit of God is dwelling above the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and you're telling us not to do it this way? That's right. Because this is the prescribed way today. And when you come into the land and God chooses to put his name someplace else, then that will be their prescribed. You await further instruction. Until then, do what you're told to do now. But it's not going to be the same thing. To me, this is a new wine, new wineskins thing, right? We can't always seek God to be doing the same thing in the same way over and over and over and over and over again. God, do what you want to do in the way in which you want to do it, and please let me be there. Let me be a part of it. That's what's important. Uh, And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all which you have Put to, your, to which you have put to your hand, you and your households, in which the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall not at all do. I already read this, as we are doing here today, every man doing what is right in his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies round about, 
so that you dwell in safety, then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. Now, this is God, of course, speaking of the temple. I don't know how many hundred years before it was built, you got all the time of the judges, and then you got the, time, the first three kings before you get to Solomon and the temple's finally built. God's speaking of it already, but the point here to be made is, the point here to be made is, it's not about the temple, it's about the prescribed place. The prescribed place where I put my name, that's where you're going to bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices. You're not going to just offer your sacrifices any which way, anywhere, any place, the way it is now. Wherever the tabernacle goes, boom, boom, it's here, it's there, it's over here, and that's where our sacrifice. No, no, it's going to be a prescribed place, and it's going to be in a prescribed way, and you have to take heed to yourselves. He says, he's like, listen to me. This is important. Don't offer your sacrifices in a way or in a place that I haven't told you to. Well, did God know that they didn't know? He knew about the high places. He knew that the kingdom was going to be divided between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And that whichever one it was, because I can't remember which is which, <laughs> went to the northern kingdoms, was going to be afraid of the other, that when people went there to, to the temple to worship the Lord their God, they would, be, they, would be, they would be turned back to allegiance to him. And so this, this other king, whether it was Rehoboam or Jeroboam, I can't remember, set up an altar in Dan. And he said, you worship God here, and you worship it in this way. And idolatry floods into the land. God's warning him. The things that you think maybe are no big deal, that are no, big, that are no problem, here's what God knows about us, man. We are so quick to slip off the path. We are so quick to go astray. And always God's will is that we stay on the straight and narrow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for uh, your love. Thank you for your, your grace and your mercy, Lord. Uh, I pray that you bless the saints here today, Father, who've listened to this long teaching and I pray, Father God, that you would encourage them in their hearts. I pray that you'd fill them with your presence and with their, your spirit, Lord, and that they would take you with them wherever they go, Father, uh, Lord, and that they would shine that light of Jesus being their Lord wherever they go, Father. Have your way in them and in their homes, uh, Lord, and cause their life to be a testimony of the goodness of, of, of God uh, and the grace and the mercy given to them through Jesus Christ, Father. Thank you for sending him uh, to die on the cross for our sins, Father. We pray, Lord, that during this time, during this season, we would use every opportunity that we can to tell people about why he came, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody.